Welcome to the Pure Energy Dogcast, where we talk about everything from dog training to dog ownership to business to God, you name it, we talk about it. Let's dive in. episode number three of the Pure Energy Dogcast. I am your host, Stacy, joined again by my lovely co-host and husband, Travis. Good day. What are we talking about today? Well, I'm, we went pretty deep in the last one as far as, you know, running through your business um, and kind of where you went and where you are now. Mm-hmm. I feel like you mentioned uh, in your training programs a lot um, the word mindset. Mm. What does that mean and why is it important? Mindset. Mindset is so important. And not just for us as business owners, but for dog owners, mindset is hugely important. We talk about mindset when we work with every single dog. Um, And we also talk about it in the sense of the dog's mindset. Mm. So let's kind of break it down into those three topics. Let's talk about dog mindset. Let's talk about owner mindset and a business mindset. Cool. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So for me, with, you know, coming from the dog training industry, when it comes to dogs and their mindset, a phrase I say over and over again is mindset over obedience for your dog. And what I mean by that is a lot of the times dog owners can get their dog to sit or to lay down or roll over or come or whatever it is obedience wise that they're looking for. But the dog is still at a 10 of, at a 10. The dog is still super mm-hmm. excited, super worked up, way too anxious or excited and just, you know, through the roof. And then they'll say things like, oh, we can get the dog to sit, but only for a second or two. And then they break or sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. And to me, that's all mindset related things. The reoccurring issue and the, and the common denominator that I'm hearing when I hear these stories from owners is that the dog can't relax the dog cannot chill out the dog cannot turn off Mm. so they can give you you know fun obedient stuff but it's not in the calm state of mind that that the owner is looking for so for me the way we work our training program is when I get your dog into a sit if they're sitting there going crazy to me we're not done We don't just move on to the next thing. We don't say, okay, and treat that dog. What do you mean by going crazy? Just excited. So whining. So a lot of dogs, they might sit and they're staring at the owner or they're staring at a distraction and they're barking, but they're holding a sit. Or they're whining, but they're holding a sit. Or they're shaking. the state of mind is like out of 10. Yes, exactly. And that's where they struggle. They're like, yeah, they can do these things, but, you know, the dog is still crazy. So when I get a sit, I want the dog calming down and engaging with me, focusing on me, looking to me for the next step and for guidance, right? And checking in with me. Once I feel that and I feel a more calm state of mind, that's what I'm going to reward. You're rewarding the state of mind, not just the physical position that the dog is in. The connection. Exactly. Yes. Because really unless you're doing maybe agility or some kind of like bite work or sport dog training, you don't want that high energy stuff. Typically the training side of stuff is, Hey, how do I train my dog to place or sit or down or come because I need to control them or I need to have connection. I need them to listen. I need them to chill out when I have guests over or around our children. right? Right. So the obedience helps like 
physically get the dog into a position, but then we work on the mindset, mm -hmm. right? So if a dog lays down, same thing. If they're shaking or whining or barking, to me, we're not done yet. We have to continue coaching that dog into a calmer state of mind. Yes. Once we, we see that transition, we see them going from a 10 to an 8 to a 5, 3, 2, you know, that's the stuff that we're looking for. So that helps them make better decisions as well. Absolutely. So you have a dog that's a, an 8, right, and then something spikes that dog out in the outside environment that can bring it to a 10, it goes from 8 to 10 a lot faster, mm -hmm. right? And it takes a lot more energy for it to go from a 2 or a 3 up to a 10. Absolutely. So yep. you get that better, you get a better um, response out of the dog. Yep, and more reliability, right? Yep. More connection, more understanding of one another. Yep. And the same thing is true with people. I mean, if you are running around and you're absolutely crazy and you're stressed and you're putting out fires left and right, you're probably not going to approach something in a calm quiet manner that needs your love and tenderness and understanding and compassion and empathy because you're so busy and and you're just through the roof yeah so if we can't do it how do we expect <laughs> our dogs yeah to be able to do it right so you always want to be looking at the mindset of the dog and working the dog into a calmer state of mind how we start to achieve a calmer state of mind is through a, a lot of things. It's through creating the relationship, working with your dog, reading your dog's body language, starting to understand your dog, having your dog realize that you understand them or therefore trusting them. Good communication. Yes, breaking everything down, making everything black and white so that we can simplify the process. But one way that we really work on the dog practicing putting themselves into a calmer state of mind is doing the down stays on place, mm. which is why you see so many dog trainers teach the place command. And because it's a place for the dog to go and lay down and relax. And I always say with your dog in their mindset, pretend that they have two muscles in their brain, a crazy muscle and a calm muscle all day before training. The dog is running all over the house, barking out the window, barking at guests, jumping on them, jumping on your couch, chewing up toys, eating your sock, running outside, chasing squirrels, <laughs> coming back in, following you room to room. You can't go to the bathroom without them. They're scratching on the door, all of this stuff, right? They're all over the place. That's them practicing the crazy muscle all day long, Real strong. which means that sh that muscle <laughs> is huge. That is a bodybuilder style muscle on the crazy scale. But then we have to learn how to teach our dogs to practice the calm muscle. And for me, the calm muscle, the, the longest and the, uh, the longest duration of it and the quickest way to teach it is place duration. So putting them on place for extended periods of time where they have to practice remaining calm, remaining in one place. Think of like an anxious friend or an anxious person. Being still and calm and maybe even meditating is very hard for them. It is uncomfortable, it is not fun, they wanna get out of it because the anxiety, they wanna move, 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 move to kind of avoid the feeling, mm -hmm. right? Just keep stuffing it down. Stay distracted. Yes, and that's kinda of what your dog is doing. They sit, they lay down, they get up, they move, they do this, they do that, they bark, they come back. Yeah. Because they're just constantly trying to figure out what they should be doing and what, what can I do to turn off this anxious feeling? Well, by training your dog, hey, go to this bed, lay down and relax, get into a calm state of mind. A, it feels good for you, so it's self-rewarding. And then B, I will reward you because now you're in a calm state of mind and I want more of that behavior. Therefore, I have to reward it so that you understand that is what, what I'm looking for. And that's how you get paid. Yeah. 
So by communication. Yes. So by doing that and having your dog practice that or having them practice their sits and waiting for that eye contact and the, the juice to just settle a little bit, that's what you reward. You know, once they're calm, then reward that, then release them, then move them on to the next task. If you put them in a down and their hips roll over or they put their head all the way down on the floor. Double down. Double down. Those are all signs that the dog is showing you, hey, I'm here and I'm calm and I'm relaxed and I'm enjoying this. This feels good. Thank you for this. Mm -hmm. You start to build this huge connection that you never were going to get without training, without working with your dog. That structure and boundaries for them. And expectations, yeah. Like, this is what I expect you to do. I expect you to be this calm, sweet dog that lives this happy, healthy, fulfilled life. And that's not saying that there's not a time and place for excitement and exercise and craziness. Like, I take our dogs in the backyard and I throw a ball with a lacrosse stick because I need it to go further because my arm can't throw it far enough. A lot of people will use a chuck it. And our dogs run, and they're happy, and they're excited. That's where you want that energy. You want that outlet, you know. But outside of that, Not I want your you... your seven hundred square foot condo. Yeah, I want you to come inside and lay down and relax after that. I don't. I don't want you to still be going crazy, yeah. right? Because at the end of the day, the dog's not happy. The dog's not fulfilled. That's an anxious stress. state of mind, and it's a lot of stress. So that's what I mean by thinking of the dog's mindset when you're working with the dog. We're not just looking for obedience. We're looking for good obedience in a healthy mindset, in a healthy manner. Well, the obedience is, is, the, is the pathway to the, the mindset. I really feel like obedience is the start of yeah. it, right? It's the start of the conversation. Mindset, once we tap into behavior modification, how the dog is feeling and how the dog is thinking, that's where, like, the real magic happens. That's where the work is. And people who just get, and, and people do it all the time, they get so focused on the word. Fluffy, sit, 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 sit. I'm like, N- hold on. You're making me anxious. <laughs> I, I would sit and be panicking yeah. if I was hearing that, right? Yeah. So we have to control ourselves. And that kind of leads us into tale, yeah. the, the owner's mindset. We get so many people in that, are anxious themselves and worked up themselves or have fear around working with their dogs. Like let's say they have a reactive dog and they're afraid of it because they know the dog is, is big and the dog's going to explode on walks and they know it's not safe and it's embarrassing and it makes you flustered. Yeah, and then they, so. they carry that emotion with them, yeah. right? Which the dog picks up on and the mm-hmm. dog feels. So now we're just kind of like feeding it, right? Unintentionally. But when you come in and you work with a trainer, make sure you pick somebody who is going to work with you as well, not just the dog. Because even if you don't have a reactive dog, if you just have your, you know, like let's use a doodle, for example. Everybody has doodles nowadays. And they're just all pretty much the same as far as, like, they're happy-go-lucky, overly hyper, jump on everybody, like, steal things, eat things. Like, just crazy, right? Like, crazy, but happy-go-lucky. Usually, like, a pretty pure, clean heart. People still come in and they want the dog to settle, but then the way they're communicating to them is in an anxious tone. Again, like, Fluffy, sit, 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 go, girl, yeah, 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 go, girl. Oh, no, you're my baby. I love you so much. You're so great. You're beautiful. And I'm like, well, if we're asking her to sit because we want her to chill out, what in the message that we just gave her is actually telling her that, right? Because she doesn't know English. So she just hears, like, speeding up energy. Yeah, she just hears, 
and the craziness, which just excites her and makes her get up and jump on you, right? So if we want a dog to be more relaxed and calm, we have to be portraying that. A dog, dogs a lot of times mirror what what you're giving them, right? So if we come from a calm, assertive place, we start to see more a more calm and assertive dog. If if I get excited on a recall, you know, Fluffy, come, and I want them to sprint across a soccer field to me, I'm not going to go, Fluffy, come, and be, you know, melancholy yeah. about it. I want to be excited because exactly. I want that dog to sprint. I want to turn up the energy. It's honestly so weird that, I mean, so many times we've seen it in these, these people bring their dogs in. And sp- I think I've noticed this mostly when, when we were doing it out of the house and we'd have dogs come in and they'd look like the owners. <laughs> You're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, and they act like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, you can just tell, like, where they picked everything up from. Yeah, right? product of their environment. Yep, it's 100%. a lot like children, right? And you can tell, like, especially on, on one-on-one sessions. I mean, I used to help you with those back in the day. And I know as soon as I walk in the door if they did their homework or not. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a telltale sign because the dog just is in the same state of mind as the owner still. And nobody has reached that that level um, for what the task was for the week. Yes, yes. So a huge part of our program is working with the owners. And I tell people that, like, listen, I'm going to work with your dog just as much as I'm working with you. And it doesn't matter what program it is, group class, board and train, private lessons, because even in the board and train where we work with the dogs, we have two go-home sessions, which are two hours each, which, which means I have you for four hours to really pick through and help you and give feedback and coach you and answer questions. But even before that, we're in constant contact. All, all week long for the two weeks, we're texting and emailing and updating, and we listen to your response. We listen to your feedback. That That is a huge tell for us of what state of mind that that person is in. Mm-hmm. So that when they come in, we know, okay, they're anxious, they're fearful, they're worried, they're nervous, all of these things. And then we know, well, this is how we help people when they're in that state of mind. Yep. And you know, saying people, you know, are the ones doing all of these things, it's not in a bad way. It's most of the time it's subconscious. They don't they have no idea they're doing it. No, absolutely not. And the reason I know that like everybody does it is because when I'm teaching group class and I say, All right guys, we're gonna get in the habit of saying a command once and we're not gonna go, Fluffy, sit, 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 good girl. I get the biggest laugh. Everybody kind of rats themselves out. Some people raise their hand or like some husbands will point at their wives mm. and be like, that's her. And because we all do it, well, right? We don't, we don't communicate with, with um, we, we communicate with each other via verbal right. cues, right? Mm-hmm. And we understand the English language. Our dog doesn't know that, especially if their puppies are new and you're just starting the training process for obedience. It's like they don't understand that when you say sit once, it means you have to follow through. Yes. And I tell that people too. So humans, our first line of communication is verbal and then secondary, we're reading body language, right? And that's why sometimes text messages get confused because it's verbal. We don't see or feel tone and, and body language and energy, right? Depends on what mine's saying. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so then dogs are the opposite. Dogs do not sit there all day and go, bar, 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 bar. How was your day? Good. How was yours? Did you eat your poop? Nope. How about you? Like, right? They don't go back and forth and have a conversation that way. It's all, it's mostly through body language. Barking is a small part. Barking does have its place. Barking has a message. There's different barks that have different tones that mean different things. Absolutely. But 
first, there is eye contact, body language, physical touch, play bow, like little jabs, little this, little that. The, very uh, the dog gets very stiff. That's its way of saying, like, stay away from me. Don't touch me right now. And that's how they communicate, energy and body language, eye contact, all of that. So even in teaching you know, our owners, when they're bending down, to it, getting in the dog's face to tell them, like, Fluffy, Fluffy, look at me, look at me, listen to mommy, do this, I'm like, first thing we have to do is stand up straight because when you bend down, you look like you wanna play. You're getting into a play bow position, you're getting down on their level, it, it looks like you want to have a party right now. Mm -hmm. Instead, stand up straight and be more assertive and calm and say, hey, this is what I need you to do in this moment, right? Caesar knows what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it, all, it all goes back to, to that, yeah. And I mean, you know, he, some people love him, some people don't, but the man knows what he's talking about when it comes to energy and body language. Yeah. He, he hit the nail on the head, and that's why he was able to help so many people, and still does, to my mm -hmm. knowledge, um, help so many people because there is so much that goes into it. Yeah. And... I never blame owners for saying, Fluffy, sit, 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 sit. I get it. That's so how conscious. you communicate. They didn't do it the first time, so you're going to tell them again. That is our natural thought. But I have to explain to them, hey, your dog is hearing and seeing this. And once we start to get the owner's perspective in line with the dog's perspective and find a way to meet in the middle through verbal commands as well as energy and body language and all of that and tone, now we're, we're on the same page. Now we're talking. Well, when that happens, and I know you've seen it a million times, and I've seen it a ton myself, you just see the light bulb go off in oh, people's yeah. heads, and and some people cry because they're oh, like, yeah. "Oh wow, like I didn't even know I was anxious, mm -hmm. or I didn't, I didn't know that I was in this certain mindset, mm -hmm. right? Frustrated, anxious, stressed, whatever it is, um, and that light bulb and that aha moment to where they can really understand kind of where they sit." currently mm -hmm. and then actually submit to that and say hey I gotta change this so I can change my dog which is a beautiful part about dogs is they teach you you know the good and the bad about mm -hmm. you and if you know when those people have that that light bulb go off it's just I mean that's super rewarding absolutely and I, look, we still see it nowadays but it was definitely highlighted back in the day when we were doing more aggressive and very severe dog rehabilitation because it was, you know, you have to get yourself in check, otherwise this dog will go back to biting you, right? Yeah. So the, the stakes were a lot higher, so our message had to be sometimes a little more direct. Totally. But <laughs> we would have people that would break down and have these huge realizations that they didn't have before. And I remember, we haven't said it in a while, but back then we said it all the time, is that you get the dog you need, not the dog you want. So if you get a dog who's pushing certain buttons, it's because you need to work on those areas. Because if they were pushing those buttons, but it wasn't affecting you or you knew how to handle it, it wouldn't show, it wouldn't come to a head as being an issue. Yep. It, you would be able to handle it yourself and fix it. So the issues that you're seeing with your dog are actually areas of your life that you need a little bit of help and a little bit of support cleaning up or given you know being given a formula to work through and i've had plenty of people say you know just through going through the dog training process my confidence has gone up a lot i've learned how to look people in the eye and read people's body language and realize what my body language was saying mm -hmm. and those stories are like my favorite you know because it's like wow not only did we help them with their dog but we helped them in their relationship or at work right. or with friends and, and different yeah. things like Become that more assertive or mm -hmm. 
necessary to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, dogs are opportunistic, so that they find the weak points. Yes. And you know, they're they're extremely smart in that manner. Yeah. They highlight all of those areas that need support. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. that's where we come in, and we're like, hey. Don't worry about it. You and thousands of others have needed support in the same area. So have I personally. And we've worked on these things, and these are the things that help. Let's go through it together, right? So awesome. And when you're looking for a trainer, like, look for a trainer that's going to support you that way. Do not feel like you have to sign up or work with a trainer who's putting you down about these things. Because, unfortunately, that does exist in the industry where people walk away from a training session feeling like, they were just belittled and it's all their fault and they're unfixable and they can't do this stuff. That's not, that's not what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So make sure that if your gut feeling is saying, you know, I don't feel good about this specific person or this individual company, there's so many out there, go to a different one. Find Find one that'll, yes, with good (laughs) mindsets and that aligns with what you and your dog need. So And then the last thing that I want to hit on is really the business mindset. And when it comes to the business mindset, for me, I feel like we go into business and we have to remember businesses are here to serve, right? I feel like somewhere, you know, it got lost in translation that businesses are just for all all that you can get from the person. Can I, I can get their money. I can get their business. I can get this. I can get that. And that's good for me. And I'm going to go do all these things with that when really businesses were set up to serve, right? And the business and and what you're doing is about the experience of the end user. It is not about you and what you got from that situation as far as payment, right? So if I go into, you know, my business and I just want to book out all these dogs and work with all these people because I get a big fat paycheck, to me, that's not going to fulfill me. That, that just having a big paycheck at the end of the day is not going to make me feel good. So when we're working with clients, we get clients that reach out to us that maybe still want to work on like human aggression and we no longer do that. And listen, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it or pretend like we do still work on it, but instead I'm gonna refer you to another local trainer who I know does a really good job at that stuff. And so I didn't get the business from it, but somebody else is going to, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm serving that client. You would not have gotten what you wanted from me or my team if you came for your dog who's biting other humans all day, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not going to do that. We don't, we don't have the time in, in, in a two-week program mm-hmm. to offer that to you, right? But I could have just taken their check, yes them to death, and, and turned out what I could, but that's not the right mindset. Yeah, it could have been at the expense of other clients that you have now because now your time's taken up mm-hmm. with that one dog that you know is a handful. Yes. And the same thing in these group classes. If you have the wrong dogs in those group classes, it's just, you know, you're, you're if you're just thinking about the, the monetary gain of it, mm-hmm. you're, you're not serving. You, the customer experience that you're trying to provide to, to your clients, mm-hmm. it's, it's not at 100%. No, it'll be poor yeah. at best. Yeah, you know? exactly. and, um, and, you know, I forget again who said this. I'm, I'm sure many people, but it's, you know, people don't remember exactly what you did for them. It's how you made them feel, Amen. right? So if I go in and my main objective is to serve you and to help you and to get to the root of this issue, your biggest pain point, let's get through that. Let's work through that. Let's make you feel better. Let's make you feel empowered. Let's let you understand that you can do this. You have the tools in your tool belt now to get through these problems. 
that's what I want them walking away feeling like. Wow, she was really in my corner. I felt supported by her. She took the time. She broke it down. And not only me, but my team. Like that's, again, that goes back to our team culture. I would not hire somebody just because they were a good quote unquote dog trainer. I'm bringing people into the team that I know are going to serve in that same way of like, hey, we can do this, we're a team, let's get through this together with each and every client and not just numbers coming through the door. And that's for any business. You could be pumping gas. I don't care. How did you make that person feel? You could be washed. There's a guy that does a car wash, and I adore him. Every time we get there, he's so sweet and always in a good mood, and he makes me smile. So instantly I'm like, tip him extra. You know what I mean? Because he, he made me smile. Like, that is what I care about. Because I can go to another car wash that's a little bit closer, and the people are not nice. Yep. It's not the same. I feel um, it's a natural thought process to make money when you own your own business. You know, revenue your, it cures all, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're starting a business and you need money to come in, that's the objective and that's the focus. But I promise you, when you get there, if you're starting a business and you get through that process and you get to a point to where you have solvency within your business, the the why will change, right? You'll, you'll start to, you'll get those big checks, you'll make the money, and then you'll go, now what? Mm-hmm. Right, because that was the goal, and the servant side of things is where that joy comes from. Yes, in running the business and growing it and being able to impact more people. Right, it's either you're you're serving your clients, and then on top of that, you're taking revenue and you're impacting the world, the kingdom, however you want to do that. But that becomes the next um, the next phase. Mm-hmm. And if you're just focused on money. Those are the companies, in my opinion, that would be let down. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because eventually, word of mouth gets around that. Hey, don't go to that person. Exactly. You know, or and then our company is based mostly on word of mouth. We don't do a ton of marketing, and it's, you know, we work with them. They were great. Let me give you their number. I mean, that's how I refer out everybody. Yeah. That that anybody who comes to me who needs a babysitter or this or that, it's always, oh, I love this person. Go give them a call. And it feels good being able to refer those people out. I, I'm, I love that we have a good network and a good community of reliable, sound people that are trustworthy that we could do that with. Um, and then the other part of a business mindset is just understanding that you're going to fail. There are going to be times where you tried something or you reached out or you launched a new program or something and it just didn't work. And that's okay. Nobody's sitting here like tallying and keeping score. It doesn't matter. You have to have the courage and the confidence to try it, to see if it's something that's going to help and and serve and and do good within your community. And if not, no big deal. Scratch it, can it, on to the next Mm -hmm. thing. Because at the end of the day, you win or you learn. It's really not you win or you fail. You win or you learn. If you, quote, unquote, failed, if, if a project or a venture or a tactic or a class didn't work, you learned something from it. You learned why that didn't work or that it didn't work or, hey, instead of this, I was close, but I have to do this instead. Or, hey, I shouldn't be adding anything new right now because I really have to hone in on these products and these services that I offer to make sure that I'm keeping them at the best they could possibly be. Right. I can't take on new stuff right, right. now. It, or you took it on and it was too much and it stressed you out and you had to close it down, mm-hmm. right? And and some people might see that as a failure of, oh, I feel so bad. 
people love this, but I can't offer it right now. It's too much for me. It's a lesson learned. It's good stewardship. Absolutely. And then as you grow and you train other employees and stuff like that, like you, you can tell them that story. It becomes part of your journey. And, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, e even in dog training, it's not about the final destination. It's not about having this perfectly trained dog. It, for me, it's not about having this perfect business. It is about the journey. It is what did I do along the way? How did it make me feel? How did I make others feel? Did I leave an impact? Did, you know, on my dying grave, is someone going to say, hey, she was great. She helped me with this. Like, these are things that, that maybe they can pass down to their kids. If they learn a lesson in a dog training class and then they're able to pass that down to their kids, like, that is to me, you know, what, what really moves me and it is why we do what we do. Yeah, I think... Um failing forward is a, is a really important piece of your mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, John Maxwell wrote, um, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. He also wrote another book called The Law of the Lid, which is understanding that you know you have a capacity. Yes. Right? In, um, you're going to grow, you're going to hit the lid, and then you're going to have to restructure because when you hit that lid, it's almost like you, you will fail. Mm -hmm. right? Things will start to fall apart. right? And also, you know, you're, you're emotional capacity will fail. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have to restructure. And then you can push past that lid to the next level. Mm -hmm. And you'll hit another one. But that's just confirmation of growth. I mean, that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's okay. If you if you fail, at least you're trying. How many people are out there that aren't even trying? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it, it makes me sad seeing people out there, like, with all the potential that they have and the talent that they have, not at least trying to put that to use that that's god's gift mm -hmm. and don't squander it right mm -hmm. like go out and take risks absolutely educated risks guys absolutely <laughs> yeah don't drive into a wall <laughs> <laughs> you know and again and then the last thing you know going back to the business mindset is it's good to focus on your business it's good to love your business and immerse yourself in your business but if it's affecting your family life if it's expecting things that should come before your business that's a big sign to dial back or to change or to add people to help you and things like that. Like you were saying, to manage your stress levels because maybe your lid is at capacity, right? You know, it should always go God, family, and the business comes later, right? right. So if the business is affecting your relationship with God or affecting your relationship with your family, at the end of the day, it's not serving you. Right. It's, well, it's well, you're, not you're, aligned. You're prioritizing incorrectly. Exactly. It's not aligned with the order that things should be going in. Because, again, you can have the most successful business in the world if you've lost your relationship with God and you've squashed your relationship with your family and even with yourself, you know, just feeling anxious and all this stuff. What is the point of that successful business? At the end of the day, what does that matter? Right. Being conscious of what you're serving. Yeah. Are you serving yourself by filling your bank account but putting everything else to the side and, and ruining that? Essentially, what would be there if the money wasn't there? Yeah. It's like, is this worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So so that's really what we want to talk to you about today, guys. Again, going back to, you know, dog mindset. We want our dogs in a calm, confident, you know, stable mindset. We don't want them anxious and nervous and overly excited at the wrong times. The over overexcitement is when they play. That's fine. But we're talking about, you know, managing it and within context, having it be applied at the right times, okay? So looking at your dog's overall state of mind, then your own state of mind and how that's going to affect everything around you, not just yourself.
So it's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your relationship with your dog, family, friends, business, all of that. So really making sure that you're putting in that time to work with your dog, but then also work with yourself and on yourself. And then finally, business, having the right state of mind, whether you own a business, are thinking about opening up a business, or even work within somebody else's business. You showing up every day in a good state of mind is going to trickle down to the other employees all around you. Right. And be, be the light in that room that everybody's excited when you walk in because you're going to make them laugh and smile and, and lighten the load a little bit, right? Like you, you just know what an impact your mindset has on you and everything around you. I have a challenge for everybody for the week. Ooh. I feel like um, it's important to kind of pay attention to what you're saying to yourself. Ooh. Like when you're driving your car down the street, what's going through your mind? Are you thinking healthy? Mm-hmm. And just, just be conscious of that and see if you can catch yourself mm-hmm. throughout the week thinking the wrong way. Yeah. And if you do catch yourself thinking the wrong way, which might be self-limiting beliefs or you know saying you can't do something or being down about having to go into work and you hate your job, any really anything negative or talking about about in your head about your spouse or your friends or your kids or anything like that, that is your indication that you need to stop and pray. That is where you realize that those those thoughts, everything going through your head that is not from God, that is from the enemy, you need to stop right then and there and just start praying. Because if you change your mindset and turn it to prayer and to turn about things that you are grateful for and thanking him and just being completely immersed in in the word and the relationship and, and being with the Lord, you don't have time. It's an instant pivot. Yes, you don't have time to dwell in self-pity and self-doubt and, and all the reasons that you're angry. You can't be in a state of gratitude and anger or sadness at the same time. They cannot coexist together. So if you catch yourself in the challenge, like Travis said, just be mindful of your thoughts. If you catch it, then the action is to stop those thoughts, go into prayer, say everything that you're grateful for, just start to talk and have conversation and relationship with Jesus and see what happens. See see, and feel yourself instantly change and do it for a week and then see how you feel. Absolutely. Let us know. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good week.